I've always thought we should have at least one Bible drill in church so that everybody could see exactly what they learn and the extent of what they learn. <clears throat> I appreciate uh, those working with Bible drills, and uh, I know it has a tremendous impact. I, I appreciate you parents uh, having your children involved in it, and, and that's a good thing. Tonight, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that's really familiar. I mean, it's a story we all know in the Bible. And, uh, you know, I actually thought, we, you know, we have 25 people gone on a cruise, 25 people missing from the church. I figured we'd have 10 or 15. So on these Sunday nights, I, you know, I thought this can be intimate, sort of just like a Bible study. So, uh, but it's been more than that. I've been surprised at, at how well you've turned out and how many people we've had. And I'm thankful that y'all are here. And uh, I think this has been a special night. I just sense that and and I appreciate your presence here tonight. So we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. And uh, I'm going to read beginning in verse 14 through 29. And the key verse is verse 24. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And that doesn't mean they saluted him, it means they greeted him, they spoke to him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he tarreth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away and I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out and, and they could not. He answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway the spirit tear him and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, Jesus did, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus saith unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead inasmuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And he, when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. This morning I want us to consider uh, the plight of this father and the problem in the life of his son and I want to outline it for you very simply. Number one, it was a problem of staggering difficulty. Jesus seems to acknowledge that in verse 29. 
that this is not something that was ordinary, that it was extraordinary, and it required extraordinary measures to solve it. Do you have a problem like that in your life? Uh, a problem of staggering difficulty? A problem that you, you've never been able to solve or figure out or get fixed even when you've gone and prayed about it and asked the Lord to help you with it? <clears throat> Some of you know I take this story personally. In some ways, I feel that <clears throat> I've walked in this father's shoes for almost 30 years. In 1994, our little eight-year-old daughter began to have seizures, and she didn't have one or two. She had 20 or 30 an hour, and we took her to Children's Hospital to, and to UAB, and they did all sorts of things, did all sorts of tests, gave her all sorts of medicines, she was the first child in the state of Alabama, in all the state of Alabama, to be put on the ketogenic diet as a treatment for epilepsy. There was a movie that came out that my wife saw. Meryl Streep was in it. The movie's name was First Do No Harm, and it related the story of a child who had seizures like this child in the Bible. And so we approached our doctor about that. She was associated with UAB, and so... They went through the process of putting our daughter on this very, very rigid diet, but the diet did nothing to help her. The medicines, for the most part, did nothing to help her, and her seizures continued for years on into her adult life, even after she was married, and, and have complicated her existence to this very day. And I tell you that just so that you know that that I understand from, from one perspective. I relate to this story in the Bible because of the seizures in the life of this child, although they were caused by a demon. And I know his desperation and frustration. They diagnosed our daughter with what they called atypical intractable epilepsy. In other words, atypical, it was something they couldn't quite figure out. They they didn't, they didn't have an answer for it, and, and it was something that wouldn't go away, and, and so we didn't have an answer for it either. And so I'm just suggesting that you might have a problem like that in your life. I've since discovered that there are other problems that are atypical and intractable. There seems to be no solution for them, and they just don't go away, not with ordinary measures. And so when it's something that not even a doctor can solve, you have to say, it is a problem of staggering difficulty, and that was this problem in that father's life. Number two, it was a long-standing problem. Listen to the father's plight. I'm going to read it from a different translation. Listen as well as, as what happened to the boy in the presence of Jesus. The father said, Teacher, I brought you, my son, possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. And I told your disciples to cast it out, and they couldn't do it. And then he said all of the things that he said, and then he said, bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. When he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion, and falling to the ground, he began rolling and foaming at the mouth. And then Jesus said something to his father. You have to wonder why Jesus said it. Why would Jesus ask a question that he knew the answer to? He said, how long 
has this been happening to him? You realize, of course, that Jesus knows everything. There are no mysteries to him. He's not, he's not asking for information so he can know the answer to it. He already knows the answer to it. Perhaps he's asking the question so that the Father can vent his pain. If you've ever been through any kind of grief or if you've ever had a problem in your life, sometimes you just need to talk about it. You need somebody to just sit and listen to you. You need, they, they need, to, you need somebody to listen to you describe the, the grief that you had, the problem that you had, and, and, and how long it's lasted in your life. And so here's this long-standing problem in the life of this father. He said, man, this thing's been going on since he was a child. Since he was a child, we've had this problem, and, and we just don't know what to do. So is there such a problem in your life, a problem that you've dealt with and worried over and been overwhelmed by it longer than you care to remember? People have problems like that. You don't have to be as old as me to have problems like that. You can be a young person and have a problem like that, something that just overwhelms you, something that you are not able to fix. You, you don't know where to turn. You, you don't know what to do. Some problems are like that. They, they come into our lives and as long-standing problems. I also have a daughter who for 33 years has been a type 1 diabetic. And this one, other one, the other one has had epilepsy for almost 30 years those are long-standing problems that wax and, and wane with intensity, but they just don't go away. So here's this problem in the life of this father. It was a problem of staggering difficulty. It was a long-standing problem, and you've got something like that in your life. You can't solve it. No one else has been able to solve it. It looks to you if it can't be solved, and such was the problem uh, in this father's life in this story. Third, it was a problem that challenged this father's faith. Is there a problem like that in your life? You say, Lord, I, I've been asking you for a long time now to help me with this problem, and I'm not getting any help. I don't see any solution to it, and I'm wondering now, Lord, are you not listening? Is this not something that you can do? Are are you not there at all? All sorts of questions come to our mind. If you'll notice, the father said to Jesus, he said, I brought you, my boy. I came to you through your disciples, and they couldn't. They, I, I came to you with help for my problem, hoping it would get better, but it didn't. So is there something that you brought to Jesus, and it didn't get better the problem didn't get solved. It didn't go away. And maybe you can list things like I can list epilepsy or diabetes or this problem or that problem. And sometimes there's a little stack of them in our lives that we keep somewhere in the corner of our heart. And although we still believe in the Lord, we say, now, Lord, I got all these problems I've been asking you about for a number of years. And, and Lord, they still haven't been dealt with. What are we going to do? This was the father's issue. I brought you my son and things didn't get better. Uh, that's a problem all its own, is it not? And, and you bring it to Jesus and it doesn't go away. So this problem of staggering difficulty, this long-standing problem, the father said, has proved to be too difficult for your disciples. Is it too difficult for you? 
And so I just ask you tonight, do you have a problem like that in your life? Number four, it was a problem that crushed this father's spirit. You got a problem like that? It devastated him. You can see it in the story. It crushed him emotionally. He was crushed physically. Look, <clears throat> when I went back to seminary in uh, 2007, I was at the Canadian Baptist Seminary in Cochrane, Alberta, and I was in a class with Richard Blackaby. Richard Blackaby was teaching from his book, Unlimiting God. And in his book, Unlimiting God, he has this story about this father. And he began to relate the story, and as he began to relate the story, my heart was just overcome. And here I am, there were only about 15 of us in the room, and I just break down and begin to cry. And they all look at me like, you're a nut, you're an idiot, what is wrong with you? And I say, I understand where this father is. I know what this is. I know what this is like. It was one of those breaking moments for me when I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed physically with it. I was overwhelmed spiritually with it. I was overwhelmed emotionally with it. It had the best of me. Are you walking that road, the problem that entered your life, crushing when it came? But the longer it stays, the more pressure it puts to bear on your life and the heavier it seems it is to carry. Fifth, this problem brought the father to confess his own weakness. Now, one of the things we have to say is problems always present us with an opportunity. From our side, we have an opportunity to put our trust in God. From God's side, he has an opportunity to prove himself to us. And so in verse 24, straight away the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And there it was, this father's confession of unbelief. There was at least some measure of doubt in his heart. Doubt bred perhaps by the difficulty itself. Doubt complicated by the failure of his own disciples, of the Lord's disciples. Doubt uh, concerning Christ's own ability. But there's also contradiction here. I believe. But at the same time, I don't believe. What was it he didn't believe? Did his doubt relate to the person of Christ? If so, he was saying, I'm not so sure about you. Or did it relate to the power of Christ? If so, he was saying, I believe in you, but to me, this problem seems even to me to be too hard for you. Or did it relate to the paltry nature of his own faith? Was he just acknowledging that if faith was necessary for his son's healing, then what he needed was a double miracle. He needed not only healing for his boy, but a work of God in his own heart that would enable him to believe. In fact, Jesus had just told him that the solution to his problem all depended on his ability to believe. So there's a confession made by this father, a confession of unbelief. There's a contradiction. He said, I believe, and yet unbelief up to this point rule the day in his heart, but there's also a consuming desire, something he wanted more than anything else in the world, 
You got a problem like that in your life? It's the one problem you pray about every night before you go to sleep. It's the one problem you walk around with every day. It's the one problem that hangs like a cloud over your head wherever you go. You can smile, but you still have that problem. You can come to church, but you still have that problem. And here's this father, this one consuming desire. He'd been praying for the, praying for the healing of that boy. I, when did he start? He started the first time it happened. The first time. And he'd been praying every day. That's the whole reason he's there. I brought my boy to you. And so in verse 24, he finally realizes that this problem has really brought him to realize his greatest need. And that's the final point. It brought him to realize his greatest need. He said, Lord, I realize now that the problem really is in my own heart. I'm not able to believe like I should in your ability. By the way, in the New American Standard Bible and in several other translations, the King James says, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believes. The newer translations change that dramatically in a good way. Let me tell you how. The, the New American Standard Bible says, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. The U is capitalized, the Y-O-U. If you can, Jesus is saying, what did you just say? What did, what did you just say? Did you just ask me if I could? That's what it means. If you can, you just asked me if I could. Have you asked the Lord that? Lord, can you do this for me? Jesus said to this father, look, the problem's not there. The problem's in you. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And so the father cried out and said, realizing that the demon of his own unbelief had to be cast out before healing could come to his boy. And he said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Do whatever it takes in me to solve this problem in me. So what is the greatest need tonight in your life? And is the solution to the problems? Can the Lord do it? Can the Lord solve it? Can the Lord change it? Well, there's no question about that, is it? Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter if it's my daughter with her epilepsy or my other daughter with her diabetes or the other stack of problems that I've got set aside over here in my heart that I've been wondering about are your problems. It doesn't matter what they are or how long they've been there. There's no question about the Lord's ability. Is there? 